Story Camp Disco is sort of an alternative art school for um, artists and illustrators and storytellers to sort of dig down to find your story and your what you're passionate about in the creative realm. And I sort of made a little guide star for it, which is always follow your ideas first and your skills and your style, you know, will follow. And I really, really try to dig down into that as we go through the weeks together in these classes. And in a way, Margot, also more than encouraging people to find what makes them really happy, but I, I kind of try to help people to find what makes them them like what are the materials they love in the work you know not just the draw a lot and, and make a lot but just really just try to really spark your imagination um, I mean I think the creativity is already there but the imagination is the thing that I'm really interested in hey it's Margot Tantow here welcome to windowsill chats a podcast for creatives and the creatively curious I am so glad you're here I've spent decades working with artists and being one myself. I've spent time in the trenches, figuring out the best way to get something made, how to put oneself out there, how to get your work noticed, and pull yourself up and face the next challenge. Windowsill Chats brings you creativity from a global perspective, as I talk in depth to friends I've met along the way. I'm here to bring their stories to you, as well as a few of my own, and see if there's anything you can pull out for yourself. Maybe a laugh, something you can relate to, and definitely a little bit more community for your quiet corner. So grab a cup of tea or coffee or a glass of wine and join me over in my sunny windowsill. Yes, I need your trouble. Welcome back to Windowsill Chats. And if it's your first visit here, so glad to have you. We have a pretty good time hanging out here in the windowsill. Today, I am more than thrilled to talk to someone who's been on my wish list for a really long time, Deborah Stein. You know, Deborah is one of those people that, in talking, we were both like, how come we haven't done this sooner? And I just feel like we could spend long hours talking into the night over a glass of wine and and a paint palette. So a little bit more about Deborah. She lives, paints, and writes in New York City and the Embudo Valley in New Mexico. Deborah's a fine artist who teaches visual narrative workshops, runs usually twice a year artist residencies, and is one of the proud hosts of Folktale Week, along with some other illustrator friends she admires. And if you don't know what that is, well, listen up. She ran her first creative live retreat at the lovely Highlights Foundation in rural Pennsylvania this past spring and is working on book projects and possibilities for projects as we speak. Deborah teaches a few creative painting workshops at L'Ecole de Beaux-Arts Studio and Art Space on Canyon Road in Santa Fe, which is also a place you need to check out if you're ever lucky enough to be in the lovely Santa Fe. In just a few days, on August 12th, Deborah has a show opening at the studio. 
She also designed a watercolor palette just for them called Imagine Landscapes. And just a few days ago, we checked in with each other and she said she was framing a hundred things. She also has some fun and challenging workshops planned for fall, including a salon, the Story Camp Disco online residency again in late October, and later in October, her fourth personal project workshop for a small group of lucky artists interested in seeing a project through with feedback and accountability. And I know some of you listening have been members of that wonderful workshop or have joined in with that. And I just can always see online the the just amazing energy and progress that you get from working with Deborah. She mentioned she's also available for one-to-one feedback sessions, which are always her favorite, which is also a great thing because it's not always easy to find that feedback. Some of the things we talk about today are following your own skills and ideas, the power of storytelling, art and music, having your work copied and how to come out on top of that situation, how we both encourage you to be yourselves, ways to spark your own curiosity experiencing sorrow and grief and how that inspires and back around to story camp disco deborah is just delightful she's a writer she's a painter she's smart witty and curious and i have just really really loved this conversation you can find deborah's work at deborahjstein.com or on instagram at deborah.j.stein or on Insta at StoryCamp underscore Disco. And hey, everyone, I wanted to remind you, you might have listened to Tom Conway from Tall Clover Farm in episode 102. He is our Windowsill Workshop guest for the month of August. His workshop will be all about pie, the ins and outs of crust, all the perfect things that I never do perfectly, but I'm dying to learn. So that is live on Saturday, August 27th, and you can always catch the replay. And I guarantee with Tom, there will be more than one laugh. So head over to tantowstudio.com backslash windowsill workshops, or you can find it there on the site in the tabs and check it out. See if it's something you might want to do. I promise we'll have a great time. Deborah Stein, bon bon oiseau. I am so, so excited to be talking to you and have you on Windowsill Chats with me. Thank you. I'm so honored to be here, Margo. It's so lovely to get to talk to you. Oh my gosh. Well, we have to tell people what we did. So Deborah (laughs) and I were set to record last week. So, you know, we did, we call, we, we connected and I said, you know, let's just chat before. (laughs) I think we talked three hours catching up with my, you know, those people you're just supposed to know. And uh, we never press record, although we said a lot of things (laughs) that you might have liked to have had, you know, been a fly on the wall, but it was just so delightful. We decided to come back. (laughs) It's so great. It's so great. It really was like talking to an old friend. Well, thank you. I love that. Yeah, I love that. So I'm talking to you while you're in New Mexico and there's, there's a lot of things I want to ask you some of the things we talked about before, but I just, I'm intrigued on as to how you are a New Yorker and a New Mexicoian and just how, how that part of your life kind of sorted itself out. Like how, how do those things work together for you? Sometimes I feel like I just threw a dart and that's where I, I just landed in these places. But, you know, I, I was born outside of New York city. Um, and 
I, when I went away to college, I pretty much left home for good. Um, I went to Alfred University, um, to the art school at Alfred University. I actually originally had a writing scholarship to go there, but then I switched to the art school. And then I went to the museum school in Boston, and then I went to the University of Iowa. So I went to these places. And then from Iowa, I kind of, I dropped out of grad school to be, you know, completely transparent. I dropped out of grad school because I I think I wasn't quite ready. And I was feeling maybe a little too wild for, um, at the time for what was going on there. And I was really into underground comics and um, printmaking and working in miniature. So I was like, well, maybe I'll just take classes and figure it out. And then I applied for a, a grant or, and, and I got to go to India for a year oh, um, from Iowa. And I worked we with didn't a talk family. About that. I know I wanted to surprise you. My girl. I wanted to like <laughs> pop this in. So like it would be fresh and new, but I went to India for a year and I worked with a family of toy makers because I was really interested in anthropology and art. And I, I studied the passing on of tradition within the mm. small toy making family. And then I traveled around India and um, got to meet all kinds of different artisans and um, artists. And it just, uh, I really love that. Um, I realized then, I think that I really loved that place, you know, that intersection where art, um, our high art, I guess, meets, you know, what was at that time, I guess, considered uh, low art, but I don't consider it low art. I consider it art art. Yeah. But at the time, you know, there was like this exhibition. I remember it. Uh, I think it was at MoMA Museum of Modern Art in New York, and it was called High and Low. And I was oh. like, oh, this is just actually super cool because it's really where, well, you see where A-list artists get a lot of their ideas from street art and, you know, and we see that in fashion too. So I lived in India for 15 months. I, I was going to go back to India um, and teach in this small village in Rajasthan. And um, I, I kind of got um, connected with Fab India, which I'm, I'm guessing, you know, about Fab India. Probably. Yes, I do. Yeah. 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 And they had a foundation at the time and they were a really cool company. Um, and I was going to um, teach in the uh, dyeing and weaving village, you know, uh, oh, wow. I think they're two different villages. And when I got back to the States, my parents were like, you can't ever leave. What are you talking about? You're going to go back to India and you're going to live, you know, and you you know, how are you going to make money? And I was like, and I was like, well, they're going to pay me. And he's like, they're going to pay you a hundred dollars a month. I said, but you don't need that much to live there. And we had this back and forth. And I was like, ah, oh, you know, I'm breaking their hearts. I mean, you know, they made me, I, you know, I come Aww. from a fan, you know, I felt really yeah. guilty. And so I was like, all right, I'll stay, but I'm moving. I'm not going to stay in New York. I'm going. And I went back to Iowa for a few months and then, I left for San Francisco. I had met my husband, who was kind of a friend of mine, and uh, in Iowa, and then he lived in San Francisco. And I went, "Oh, we'll try this out." When we were you in San, San Francisco? Francisco? I, I was in San Francisco from 1995 to 1997, and then back again in uh, for a little while in 1998, and then we moved back to New York. I'm just trying to think if we were there at the same time. I was there oh. for five years. Let's see. I think, no, I was nor I was still, I was in Northern California, but I was not in San Francisco except for, you know, the daily trip, but yeah. How oh, cool. So you guys moved to San Francisco. Moved to San Francisco and I just, you know, had a little art studio and, mm. in, you know, we lived on, in um, DuBose Triangle, Do you know mm-hmm, DuBose mm-hmm, Triangle, sure. right between the mission and yeah. And uh, Market Street. And nice. I worked in the mission at a restaurant, like this kind of funky restaurant where the servers were known to be really sassy to the patrons. It's called nice. Timo's. Oh, 
nice. and I made a lot of really good friends and um, made my art and worked in Emeryville at doing um, illustrations and watercolor stuff for um, a, an architecture firm, building wow. some shopping mall in Japan. I know it was kind of, I was like, had all these jobs that like Jim and I had all these jobs. We're yeah. Always working. So cool. And, and then we went back to Asia. We, we traveled. I was like, well, parents, I'm going to do what, you know, now that you know that I'm doing okay, I'm going to yeah. you know, go off and do what I want to do. So yeah. And, um, we lived, yeah. Then we just decided I, I wanted to come back to New York anyway. My, I thought my parents were getting older and, um, and I wanted to be in New York, you know, yeah. I just, I'm from there. And I think right. when you're from a city, New York city, you know, when you're young, you're like, is there, where else can I go? I have to go to a really busy place. That's right. That's, there's nothing quite like it. You know, I, I might've said this and some other, some of you might've heard this before, but <clears throat> excuse me. I remember taking a surface design. There's one woman that taught surface design and it was by hand gouache. And she was in Emeryville as a matter of fact. And I would go over there from San Francisco and take these classes and think like, this is what I'm going to do. But, oh my God, I remember she made us draw, she put fresh or not orchids, iris out and we had to draw paint these iris. And I am not, I'm not that kind of painter. I'm, I'm loose. And, and I was like, I'm never going to be able to do this. And she also said, if you're ever going to make it in this career, you have to move to New York city. And I was like, New York city, right. I can't. Of course, I ended up moving to New York City, but I wasn't oh, you taking. Did. I, I did live in New York. Mm-hmm. When were you there? That's oh so lordy, funny. I was in New York uh, before San Francisco. Well, in between San Francisco and San Francisco, I should say. Right. So it was eighty nine and ninety. I lived in New York. Yeah, pretty cool time to be there. Pretty it transitional. Was. Like interest, it's still really interesting there. It was so interesting, and I was so struck by how international it was. And I thought it was going to be like, how do I fit in here? And what it was instead was everybody from everywhere. Make right. so easy to make friends. So interesting. Right. Like, yeah. Oh God, I love New York so much. I need to go right. there and just be there and be like, it's feeling plugged into me, but not like plugged into civilization, like plugged into culture and art and interesting things you didn't expect and cool conversations and great food and walking for miles just because why wouldn't you to get from one place to another? I love it. So I think it's so cool that you're from there. Oh, (laughs) well, you know, yeah, thank you. My father is actually born in New York City on the Lower East Side. And I was born in a pretty dull suburb about half hour outside of that my mother when she came came to Queens so I feel like you know native New Yorkers all sure. families and Brooklyn Queens Manhattan um you know so it was really just sort of a back and forth all the time very cool so yeah but that's really cool that you were there too um I, I mean it is it is a really international city right I mean that's what it's known for New Yorkers no one cares where you're from as long as you know you have an interesting story to tell yeah. You, know, you know how to have a good time. <laughs> exactly. Oh yeah. It was especially in the arts. Fun. You it, could go. And at the time you could go there to be creative. It was, you know, you, you, you know, it was inexpensive mm-hmm. or free or, or, you know, it was mm-hmm. very cheap and there was a lot of fun things to do. And there was just, uh, yeah, it was just such an amazing. I loved time. it. And, it's a and harder being, now, you know. being young, um, it, it was so fun because there were, you met people and you do, let's go do this. And yeah, right. it was, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. So did you, you said you went from San Francisco to Asia and then back to New York? 
Yeah, yeah. My husband had never traveled. I mean, he wasn't my husband yet. He was my boyfriend. And he's like, oh, you just came back from India a few years ago. And I've always wanted to travel. And I really thought that was cool that, you know, you did that. And, and I said, yeah, you know, I really wanted to go back and teach. But now that's off the table because, you know, I, you know, I had already said no to them and I didn't want to reapply and because I'd already started to make some money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, right. you know, what was that? So we basically just worked, worked, worked and saved our money. And we flew out. Uh, I remember it was in September and um, our roommate drove us to the airport and gave us like a, a little bin of a bin, a little uh, packet of Lomatil. And he said, you, you might need this <laughs> on a crowded bus. So take this. And sorry, that's a little untoward, but take this, you might need this. And <laughs> it's true. exactly. And um, we went to Indonesia. We still went to Bali first for a month. Oh, and then we went across the Indonesian archipelago, uh, you know, out to Lombok Island. And then we saw, you know, uh, not Lombok, but um, Flores. And we saw mm. all these really beautiful sites and volcanoes and Komodo dragons and all these great things. And um, just beautiful things. And then we went up to Malaysia, through Malaysia to Thailand, and we spent a month in Thailand. And then uh, we went to Laos when wow. Laos was first opening up. That was really good. Yeah. That was in 1990, 1990. It was 1997 and 1998. Okay. And, when was um, the tsunami? You just missed. Oh, no, no. That was in 2000s. I think. 2000s. Okay. Tsunami, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. No, no, it was, we never even thought about tsunamis. We're like, no. woohoo. You know, this is great. And I was kind of taking notes along the way. And we kept like an amazing trip. It's an amazing, and it's amazing to go back through the diaries now and, you know, just remember, I was like, wow, Deb, you really kept some detailed notes. And, you know, my husband's, he's really creative. He studied film at the University Mm. of Iowa, and he's a lighting designer now for big industrial shows and music and things like that. But he, um, he loves photography. And so we just had this really good time really getting to know each other because in San Francisco we had just mostly worked and spent yeah. maybe sometimes going out a little bit and mission and you yeah. know Castro and you know lower and upper hate that's where we mostly hung out but we just had such a good time traveling together and we thought well if we could travel together like this you know we could probably live together <laughs> so yeah, it, you know out. it kind of shows you something yeah mm-hmm. and I went up to China he went and then he went to Vietnam and I went to China we spent a month apart mm-hmm. during um you know, the Lunar New Year. So he mm. was in Vietnam for Tet and I was in, um, you know, China for New Year. And it was really interesting at the time because it really wasn't celebrated. You know, communism was sort of still yeah. kind of putting a kibosh on cert- those kinds of celebrations, I think, mm-hmm. yep. at the time. <clears throat> but, um, and then we really missed each other, but it wasn't because we were fighting. It was because I really wanted to go to China and buy silk and make oh, clothes wow. out of, oh you know, because I was doing that in India. I was like, oh, you could just go and, just get any kind of beautiful fabric and have clothes made. I want to do that. So that was really fun. So I want to, I said, and he's like, is that the only reason why you want to go to China? I said, no, of course not. I want to see things, but yeah, I want to buy, you know, I want to see meet new artists and things like that. So how did you like find your way to, to do that? I mean, I think I kind of liked traveling alone when I was in India and I got used to it and it kind of made me feel I guess traveling alone really, <clears throat> it was hard and it was really hard in China to travel yeah, alone. It's, uh, luckily I met some, yeah. Yeah. No, you probably have, you've been to China many times. I have, I have right? not many times, but I have not traveled alone in India or China. I've been both for work, um, very 
you know, fortunately, I love them both um, <laughs> differently for different reasons. But the craftsmanship is uh, 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 unmeasurable in both places, I think. But like you said I before, see. and I, I don't want to go off this track, but yeah, the craft every you think in China when things are made, they're very um, there's there is definitely a lot of handwork, but there's also a lot of machinery and you know more elevated uh craftsmanship but in india everything is made by hand and i just love that so much so anyway i got off track no no not at all because you know that's really what i was interested in i went to so many villages and i went to even in you know place like did you did you go to varanasi when you were in india because that's the town that's the city where i i live no i've heard of it but i have not been there it's on the, you know, it's a, it's a very holy city for, um, you know, Hindu people. And it um, is at the curve on the Ganges where I think it's, it, it, it's like a, it's a very holy place, mm-hmm. you know, um, and um, I lived a few blocks from the river and. Um, and isn't everybody you know, it, it going like, to the river to. Yeah, to bathe in the morning and to do, you know, yeah, to do evening or morning prayers and evening prayers be- and burning the dead. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was fascinating. But the craft, you know, there's there was crafts in the city, um, the toy makers that I worked with. Um, and it was it's really well known for its very, very um, beautiful broca- brocade or broca- mm-hmm. brocade mm-hmm. silk um, gold with, you know, gold threads and weavers upon weavers upon weavers. And uh, most of the weavers that I met in India were um, men. Um, which is kind of, uh, you know, different. Um, different than, than what you expect. China, but than, right, in historical. Laos or Thailand or Vietnam. It's right. And yeah, I just met so many different kinds of artisans and potters and, you know, the, just the people who make, you know, at the time before plastic, they, you know, before plastic was just everywhere in India, um, you know, made the clay cups that you would get your chai on the trains mm. and then you drink, and they were earthenware and you would just drink the chai and it had this amazing taste of terracotta. And then you just throw them onto the tracks and they just go back to the earth. And it was such yeah. a cool, you know, I feel like I really learned when I was in India and, and just through traveling and with Jim that I really don't need a lot. And that the things that I'm most interested in are things that people's hands have touched yes. that um, I don't really want um, as much as I can help it in big industrial made things mm-hmm. and I don't need those things and I need very little because we got rid of all of our things and just went traveling and then we came yeah. to New York with very little mm-hmm. and then suddenly you know we we went from a 400 square foot apartment to a, a 1,000 square foot apartment in Brooklyn and then you know suddenly we need furniture and we need things and all the little artworks that we had is just like in one little corner and so yeah so over the time you know just from traveling and bringing these beautiful little doodads home and then knowing artists and having being friends with artists. Yeah. I feel really lucky to have to, that everything can tell a story in, in mm-hmm. my home and now my, my homes, which sounds a little weird, but yeah, I, and the New Mexico story, if you, if, if, yep. I, if I make that jump Love it. <laughs> is that um, <clears throat> my brother is a physicist and he had been coming out to New Mexico to Santa Fe um, to the, um, um, he, he developed this, uh, uh, institute, summer institute called the Institute for Complex Systems, where, um, it was, it's like a multi, multidisciplinary, um, scientific, um, not really a, maybe a think tank, but a place where 
biologists and you know neuroscientists and physicists and mathematicians can get together and talk about um, complex systems in all the different fields, economists and uh, writers, and it's writer writers wow. workshop there now. I wow. guess Cormac McCarthy is part of it. I guess mm, he's on the board. Interesting. So my brother's been doing that since I was in college, and um, and he, uh, so I, you know, I'd come out and visit him, and I just loved it here. I mean, I just yeah. loved it here. But when I was in art school, um, and I told my one of my <clears throat> advisors at the time that I wanted to, I think I want to go to Santa Fe. He said, well. First of all, you have to go to New York if you want to be an artist. That's the first thing. And then second of all, um, <clears throat> what are you going to do? Just like do a bunch of like Howling Coyote work. Because that's what, what? you know. That's Santa Fe is the do. ultimate artist colony. I mean, Hello. this was in the 80s. And I know, I know. But, you know, he he, he was just, I think he, because he had gone to the University of New Mexico and he was kind of a snob. Uh. I won't say his name. But um, <laughs> he's the also, also was the one who said, well, if you, you know, you have a minor in anthropology and, um, you know, if you don't know which one to do, like maybe you should really think about anthropology. And I was like, oh, <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, I, I was like, I felt, you know, I didn't, I didn't know how to comprehend any of, any of that, which is probably yeah. why I ended up even dropping out. Um, I felt like maybe I was a little too impressionable and young for art school. And I was, and I was so rebellious too. So I didn't move to Santa Fe and I also didn't move to New York. I just went and did my own thing and moved to Iowa. But um, when New Mexico was always in my heart and in 2014, you know, my husband and I, I think I had told you on Friday that in our summer vacations, I was, I always wanted to go to national parks and wanted to go see America. And, um, Mm -hmm. and so we, I said, let's go to New Mexico. You know, I haven't been there for a long time. And, you know, my brother's kind of in and out. He doesn't do it in the summers the way he used to. And now it's like this big established Institute and he's, he's always there, but I don't really visit him as much. He's his family now. It's just, you know, different now. So I said, let's go and we'll go and we'll go. I wanted to go to Crown Point and I wanted to go to these trading posts that were out. um, um, You know, um, I think it's called, I don't want to get the name wrong. Um, gray, gray hills, and mm. um, to, it's it's you know I wanted to go to the Crown Point Navajo rug auction, and I wanted to go see Chaco oh, Canyon. Just wanted to go to really quiet, remote places. Yeah, um, real places. Be, real places, and I think that was like the antidote to New York City was For to sure. be in a really beautiful, quiet place where you could Authentic. either see a horizon, mm. a forest, or an ocean which is a horizon, mm-hmm. but you yes. know, which is just be on a mountaintop. I think that was my childhood mm-hmm. dream. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I skirted around and saw a lot of things in between that. So when in 2014, we came out here and we just had such a great trip. <clears throat> we made a big circle from Albuquerque and then came all the way around Abiquiu where Georgia O'Keeffe lived uh, and Ghost Ranch and and her house and uh, up there. And um we just met amazing people and we sort of got to sort of see what life was like a little bit here. Uh, You know, because we, we, we can have two week vacations, you know, we're both freelancers and August is a quieter time. And I was in fashion at the time and kind of wanting to give that up, you know, doing jewelry design um, and accessory design. And it wasn't really my dream. I just kind of fell into that. And I was like, I want to go to New Mexico and maybe try to find a residency or something where I can try to get back into painting. And the next year, he, I, I was really uh, worried to tell him that. I was really worried to tell my husband that I really wanted to not do my business anymore because after a while, it felt like pushing a boulder uphill. I didn't know how to, like, it was my first business. I didn't really know what I was doing. I kind of fell into it. 
Um, you know, I had put some stuff in a friend shop and I think it was 2003. And then I don't know if you remember Daily Candy, but oh, they yeah, wrote about for it. Sure. Okay. They found those things. They wrote about it. I was doing like these mismatched earrings, these charm yeah. earrings and these big feather headpieces. And um, mm. they wrote about it. And suddenly I had a business and people were asking like, oh, can I, you know, shops are saying, can I get line, your line sheets? And I said, like, what are line sheets? I don't, I don't know what a line sheet is. So it was just yep. like this DIY thing. And then I cobbled it together um, while I was still working, doing um, museum education. And um, I was, in this, you know, worked in as a preparator at the Museum of Arts and Design. So I was always kind of doing things in alternative education and, and the arts and being, I was around art. And then I suddenly had this business and it was just got hard because Etsy kind of made it hard for me because uh, it really wasn't yeah. even big yet when I started. And also, you know, you put a lot of money into trade shows. Um, yes, you do. There was a few businesses that kind of copied the work that mm-hmm. I was doing. The good part about that is, I know this is crazy, but I did learn that in business, not to take things personally, that is just business. And so I was able to actually make some money from these big businesses copying my stuff. I actually um, was able to sue them. And I got to pay pay off all my bill, my my trade show bills and kind of start fresh. Good for you. I'm not allowed to say who they are. No, yeah, not asking. Not asking online. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But it's hard to do. I, I, yeah, I won't say the name either, but I have a friend that had every right to sue and say, I came up with this first a hundred percent. She did. And she put a, her life savings into that case and she did not win yeah. for some reason. Oh, and, wow. and I have other friends that I can remember. Oh my gosh. I can remember seeing that as yeah. you did not, it's not your original idea. This friend of mine at the time lived in England. Yeah, I saw her, work, you know, she won that, but it's, you have to, I feel like over and over again, and I'm sure there's people like listening right now that are saying like, Oh, but it takes so much work and money. And how do you do that? And it's, it's yeah. Good for you. Well, well, I will say that if you ever are are in this situation, there's a volunteer lawyer for the arts in almost most American cities um, and um, counties. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's how I did it. I, I, you know, I paid for a membership. I think it was $75 for mm. volunteer lawyers for the arts in New York city. And they helped me. Wow. They, it was, they took it on pro bono. I, I still had to give them a third, but it was completely worth it for me because you yeah. know, it's, it was, yeah. I mean, in this case, I'll just tell you in a nutshell, they actually came to my studio because at that time they were looking for independent designers to have capsule collections, you know, um, yes. and they came to the studio and they, you know, I served them one and they looked at my, you know, like, oh, your inspiration board, it's so beautiful. And this, you know, and yeah, we're going to do this and it'll come out around Memorial Day. And this was in the winter, you know, fall, because, you know, in fashion, everything is a year yeah. to probably more in some in, in some parts, but it was it was six months before. And then they called me back and said, well, yeah, you know, they decided, you know, when we brought it to the meeting, they decided they weren't going to go that way. And I was like, oh, OK, thank you very much. It was really lovely to meet you all. And right around Memorial Day, for some reason, I don't know, maybe it was like this strange sixth sense. It's like, I'm going to go. I'm going to look, take a look at their website and see what they did decide to do. And sure enough, they just copied what I had done down to my inspiration board. You know, I had a physical wow. bulletin board down yeah. to the inspiration <sighs> board. And um, I remember sending a quick email <laughs> to the person, you know, the, one of the buyers uh, or your know, art directors and said, 
yeah, I just saw this and um, it doesn't seem quite right, does it? You know, and and then suddenly I was like, okay, that's the last communication and yeah. I have to figure out what to do. And, you know, luckily at that time, Twitter was, you know, starting and um, I think it was around 2009, probably, or 2008 or two, it was about 2009. And Twitter was starting yeah. and uh, what well, was going. And so, you know, these big fashion bloggers were blogging about it and Facebook was kind of like, a bigger deal than it is now, you know, now mm-hmm. social media oh, yeah. is just the it was norm, but started. then it was just kind of like, right. So I think just people writing about it. So, you know, I mean, I guess to people listening, I would say volunteer lawyers for the arts are a big yeah. help. I'll put that on have, the, in the show. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And um, just having communities around you and like spreading the word, you know, in a gentle way that this is happening. And I yeah. see it on Instagram too, when it happens to artists. Yeah. I think um, the, the grassroots um, support for that has really done a lot um, mm-hmm. to get things taken down, to get things, to get people to know, to notice. I know for sure from, for me, um, since I've always been someone who's really plugged into whose work is whose um, every, you know, hair on my back stands up or, you know, the get goosebumps when I see like that is so-and-so's idea. And especially when I was traveling in Asia, because there wasn't an awareness about that, about copying and about um, Mm. the rights of somebody, you know, the, the, uh, how somebody owned that design. And you'd go (laughs) every once in a while, you'd go into a showroom and you knew if it was really good, it wasn't, it was probably someone else's work. So I would either yeah. ask and sometimes get the answer. Oh no, we, <laughs> here's one I used to get. Oh no, we found that on the internet ourselves. <laughs> oh, Somebody literally yeah. said that to me once. And often it would be because I knew exactly whose work it was. And I would, right. I knew ex- like I might've, oh gosh, it just makes me crazy to think about it. But anyway, yes, um, I know I it's know. A, it's an ongoing issue and there's a lot of education going on around that. And people that have chosen to work with the well, for one, the Chinese government about that. And I think, yeah. I think social media and, and the, um, and the fact that we can spread that word quickly and that people really do stand up for each other has certainly helped, but it's an on, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's nothing new. It's been happening for centuries. Um, it's, however, it certainly has, it certainly has, it Absolutely. sucks when it happens to you, but you know, what's actually sort of, it does suck, but you know, it's really nice is when your old friends and the people who saw you come up in the beginning or started out at the same time as you did say, yeah, you know, I saw that. And that is a hundred percent yours. You know, mm-hmm. it's nice to say it's a hundred percent yours. And now everybody's just kind of doing, you know, you set that, you know, it's a, it's very, it's, it's, it's a huge, I find it to be strangely a, a kind of a compliment. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not great, but I right. think just from having worked in fashion, well, you know, back then, the way that we dealt with it, you know, because, you know, I was part of a you know community of people, but, you know, we, I, I would always tell younger artists, like, if someone tries to copy you, you know, just move on to the next thing. It's generally, I can't remember who said it to me. I think it was my friend, Lisa um, DeClerico, who's an artist. And she said, um, oh, yeah. uh, the the second bird usually gets the worm, right? The first bird pulls it, <laughs> right? and the second bird gets it. I don't know if that's how it goes. Lisa, if you're listening, I'm sorry, I might muff that up. You can write me in the show, you know, but, um, but it, it's kind of true. It's like, it, it's never the people really who's, you know, in the beginning, I, I don't know. I mean, it works differently in art. I know that. And it, it's actually really, really heartbreaking to see younger artists or some, you know, artists just starting out doing all the copying 
that they feel like they need to do in order to be seen. And which is another, you know, it's another thing that when, when I teach or when I do these one-to-one kinds of um, thing, you know, projects with people, I, I kind of try to talk about that, especially if I kind of start to see that happening yeah. in their work. I was like, oh, I, I kind of recognize that. And it's very flattering if it's me. And it's, I, but if I see it's, yeah, do you need to do your eyes like that? I mean, what do your right. eyes look like? If you were to really right. make that, I, I know it's easy to be influenced, especially when you're starting out. And I did it too. You know, I would look to work that I really love. And I was like, how do I be more like that? Right. right. And now it's kind of like, how do I be more like just what I want to do? And it takes time with Instagram. It does um, take in time. your face all the time. <laughs> it, it does. And I think, and I, this is something that we, we really dug into when we were talking before. And I think um, there, sometimes there's not an awareness about it, especially when, when so many people are taking a class that has a similar assignment or, mm-hmm. you know, I, I love your, um, the, what you teach, because I feel like you so inspire people to be the, themselves, but sometimes you have to get to that point where you're either told that or reminded that or shown, uh, because of your peers that everybody's trying to be themselves. But, and I know, and I've talked about this before, but I had a, a wonderful art teacher. Um, and I, I've, I, what I, what my issue was, was I just didn't do it long enough to get to my own place, but I stopped because I felt like when I was taking from her, she would, she painted landscapes at the time. Um, Lynn Tuft was her name in Napa. And I loved what I was painting with her, but I felt like it was still too much like her. And that was bugging me because it bugs me so yeah. much. And um, yeah. so I was like, all right, I need to, I need to, I'm, I'm not moving in the direction I need to. I'm not moving far enough away from my instructor, you know? But it's you're right. True. It is hard also. Well, I, I kind of knew that the, that professor wasn't Wayne Tebow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the mistakes we make. But you can read about on um, Margot's website. <laughs> yeah. Under oh, about page. Gosh, yeah. And I didn't want to wake up at eight in the morning oh, for that gosh. class. I remember standing at the easel and he was so nice standing. I'm like, yeah, this is, oh Lord. The decisions. <laughs> I, dropped, I dropped my class with Wayne Tebow. Because it was too early in the morning in college. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hello. I love that story. I love that oh my story. Gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know, that's, that's, that's young that's and impressionable. The past. past don't matter. Past don't matter. None. No. But, no. <laughs> um, but except you know, to mine it for good stories. It's true. But we were talking about this and I wrote this quote down uh, when we were talking before. And I'm going to pull it up again because we can just riff on it. But you said, do your art so you can see yourself. So you can see yourself and work. And then we were talking about and work to be seen. So that, that kind of is where we were headed with this. Like if you love to do art in any way, whether it's part-time, full-time as a hobby, when you can fit it in, what are you doing? Like, how are you making it your own? And, and I, I love with your challenges and with Folktale Week and with, um, you know, Story Camp Disco and all those things, I feel like you're such an encourager of people to not only be themselves, but to like find the really fun part of themselves. Like don't do it necessarily to be commercially viable. Like, I think that's where we got started on that topic. It's like, wait a minute, where's the joy in it? Are you finding your joy in it Mm -hmm. or are you just creating because somebody had told you to? 
Yeah, you know, that's interesting because I, I, I think that um, when I started Story Camp Disco, um, I was really interested in trying to create um, a space that was kind of fun. And let's tell um, people what that is in case they don't know. Oh, Story Camp Disco. Oh, yeah. Story Camp Disco is sort of an alternative art school for um, artists and illustrators and storytellers to sort of dig down to find your story and your, you know, what what you're passionate about um, in, in the creative realm. And I, I, you know, have, I sort of made a little guide star for it, which is um, always follow your ideas first and your skills and your style, you know, will follow. Um, and I really, really try to dig down into that um, as, uh, you know, as, as we go through the weeks together um, in these classes, in these workshops. Um, and, you know, I, more than, in a, in a way, Margot, also more than encouraging people to find what makes them really happy, but I, I kind of try to help people to find what makes them, them, like what, yes. what are yes. the materials, you know, what are the materials they love um, in the them work, them. you know, mm-hmm. not just the, 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 you know, draw a lot and, and make a lot, but just really just try to really spark your imagination. Um, I mean, I think the creativity is already there, but the imagination is the thing that I'm really interested in and the mm-hmm. ideas. Um, and I really, try to encourage artists to believe, you know, to try to really believe that there is no one necessarily that's better than them right. or worse than them um, or under you or above you. Um, there is only, you know, doing your work to get to this place. And patience is really, really hard in, I think now, especially. And I think that people, sometimes people who work with me might, um, they might get to this moment, you know, in the beginning, it's kind of fun, you know, it's like the beginning of our residencies. I always make the first project like these kind of, they seem a little wacky, especially the illustrators like, oh, this is not, what, how is this going to be part of my portfolio? Because there's so many classes that are just like, build your portfolio, portfolio, portfolio. But it's like, I just kind of want to say, let's do something to like break your brain open a little bit, like something that you love to do. And I think the very first project for the first residency was um, make a boat that floats. Mm-hmm. And, the, oh, and I always like gave them four rules and they're just like these art missions. And they're like, wait, what, what is this thing that I've gotten myself into? And, um, and the people who stay with it just love it. And by the end, you know, they've made a manifesto. They've started to learn something about themselves. They started to learn something about their work, the way they like to work, um, what their work could be. Maybe also I kind of designed the classes to be the kind of classes that I would like to take, that I would have loved to take um, when I'm sort of, when I was first either starting out or starting again, you know, to really just encourage people to know that, you know, that I'm rooting for them no matter what. Um, And if this is not your cup of tea is fine. You know, you can move on because I am not everybody's cup of tea, but um, that's fine. And so, and also I, I was also realizing that, it was sort of, in some ways, it felt like sort of a, I mean, maybe this is a lot, but, oh, I don't know how this is going to sound, but I found it to be sort of like um, an act of activism in a way to sort of take back this sort of space to have these classes, you know, not just be about some commercial endeavor, yeah. but, because, but to have it be something, you know, to, to help artists to really dig down to what they believe in. 
yeah. to, to, to use their art as a platform, to use their work as a way to say something. Like, what is it that you have to say? And what, do you, what would you like to say, but just can't even imagine what that would be yet? Because, you know, you know it's in there. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes people, you know, I, people who take my class take a lot of classes and they take class after class. And I'm really psyched about that. You know, I, I really do believe in this power of collaboration. And I'm real. it excites me to think that someone who's taken my classes also take your classes and also work with you because, you know, we're teaching different sides of things, but also kind of the same thing. But I do think there's like a danger in thinking that just right out of the boat, like someone's going to discover you right away. And that yeah. might happen to you. And that's amazing. But uh, it can really be very more. damaging right, for people who are, are, you know, feel like they're not good enough because I think there's like an intermediary step. And so I feel like I just wanted to fill this space that was an intermediary step to say, you don't have to be one thing. Like you don't have to just call yourself an illustrator. You don't have to be like a children's book illustrator and that alone. My favorite children's book illustrators are all artists first, are all Mm -hmm. artists who make children's books and do all kinds of other things. And it's not because, you know, and they don't have to practice all those other things all the time. That's not why the world wants them. They want them because they love what they have to say. They love their point of view. They love the color, the colors that they use. And the colors that they use have been developed over a period of time, you know, really looking and really seeing the world. So I I think that's really what I'm encouraging. And I love that so much because I I feel like that is, that's a couple of things when I hear you talk, because I feel like that's the place that finding kind of, um, following your ideas first, like what, what speaks to you, that's the place where create unique creativity comes from, you know, it's, it's all your, your time in India, where you were near the river and you were looking at the colors and, and even the sounds of things. And you had a palette for that in your mind. And you, you know, we, we have, like, I have a palette for different things times and things, but what do we use those? Are we, are we taking a class that says do this and you'll be noticed? And, and then are we comparing ourselves to others, which is hard not to do, but so important not to do at the same time. And, you know, just all those things about how do we, how can we sit in a place where we start to be comfortable with what we're putting out into the world and not feel like, Oh, I, can't or should I, or is it right? Heartbreaking. (laughs) And I think I noticed that at the, at the end of my workshops, for the most part, um, people all comment that he's like, it's amazing because not one person's work looks the same and it's a true place of feedback and of, um, yeah, just encouragement, I suppose. Um, and and I give them lots of inspiration um, in the residencies and in the, I did a story workshop um, last year um, during the pandemic and that was really fun. I just make these workbooks with lots and lots of inspiration. It's really whatever I'm reading at the time. I encourage, uh, um, I encourage all the artists to look at real art if they can and read about artists. But, mm-hmm. you know, I try and I try to give them lesser known artists, lots of, you know, women artists, um, you know, BIPOC artists, artists, Mm -hmm. you know, who are differently abled artists who just, you know, are 
doing all kinds of things that are really interesting within the world of art so that they can kind of see that, oh, I can really break out um, and do new things. So it's sort of a little bit like art school without, you know, a giant tuition, but it's, it's different, you know. And the other thing I realize is, too, is that there's so many artists who take a lot of classes, not just um, to play, and, you know, and I completely love those classes. Um, sometimes I feel like maybe, as I was, am I making things too challenging? Maybe, but I do, you know, I like to be challenged. So I'm just making these classes and seeing what works and sticks. But I, you know, I make these classes um, just, you know, just to sort of see what, yeah, like I said, what people are into and to really sort of start to see people, artists as people, as humans, just like them. And so to see what other points of views are out there. And the other thing about traveling and, and, and being in the world and really looking at the world, it really is, are the people. And yeah. so when that professor said to me, he's like, well, if you really like anthropology, maybe you should just think about anthropology. And now that I'm a, you know, a, a fully, I hope, you know, fully realized human being, a person who's teaching, I would never say that to anyone, you know, because yeah. talking to people and people are the thing that, make make the work in some ways for me right. I mean my mm -hmm. work especially mm -hmm. for narrative work or work that has any kind of poetry to it which right. is you know that's my jam and I really love that um so so yeah he was he was really wrong I think um you know but so but there are I'm glad those... that I was able to do both <laughs> yeah and 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 so many of us heard that one phrase or you know thought oh you're the teacher you know and you just told me I can't sing or I can't draw or I shouldn't try this or and it stops I mean you hear that story over and over again mm -hmm. my teacher told me I couldn't sing or whatever and so I didn't mm -hmm. or draw or and and I think you you encourage and involve and inspire so many people to find their own creative spark and path that you know I I'd surprise and I it surprises me that it's been like so long. I've meant to talk to you so <laughs> much sooner than this because I'm so inspired by what you do. I really love how you encourage people to be themselves. Well, thank you. I, I actually really encourage people to think about what they like to read, what music they like to listen to, what art they really are moved by, what clothes they love, you know, all those things so that they'll never run out of ideas. And I keep, I guess I kind of sometimes think people just, I don't know what to do next. I, I need to take these, I, I need to take more classes and more classes and more classes. Like, you need to read a book. Like you need to, yeah. you know, read this article. This is a really cool article. I, I, I think it's just because that's what I like to do. You know, I feel like it, my aunt, my, my aunt once told me, she's like, you know what, honey, she's a New Yorker. She said, you know what? You got to learn how to play bridge. If you learn how to play bridge, you'll never be lonely when you're old. Oh. And I just sort of thought she said that. And I, I I never learned how to play bridge, but I kind of felt like, I, and she read a lot too. You know, my father read a lot, you know, I came from yeah. readers. And so Same. I, you know, so, so I thought, well, you know what, let me transpose that a little bit. If I learn how to read, mm -hmm. I will, and, and always have books and always have books around me. I will never be bored and I will always be able to have a good conversation with the people I like to have conversations with, you know, I can play Uno, you know, but I can't play bridge, but <laughs> maybe someday. 
But you're right. I mean, I think I come from readers too, just so deeply. And, and those are the things that spark our curiosity, our consciousness, our, you know, my, my son is 14 and loves music and movies and things like that. But we, and, and reading not as much as I wish he did, but um, like we watched Spike Lee's do the right thing a couple of weeks ago. And the conversations that have come out of that have been game changing. Just so, so glad that he is questioning racism and things like that so deeply as a 14 year old. And, and he just, those are the kind of things that if, if you, if you see something and it makes you curious, are you going to create around that? Are you, cause he even said, mom, you know, I need to, I need to know what to do about this. I'm not going to be a politician, but I could tell people stories, you know, I'm like, I could make documentaries or I could, Yes. He let, uh, sorry, I'm going to, I'm going to say one more thing, but like, cause I was like, what? Yeah. we, we traveled together last week and um, he, he said, you know, mom, there's not a lot of, of movies about the Korean war. And I think, you know, these veterans, these Korean war veterans are getting older mom. And I don't have the money to make the movie I want to make right now. It's like what movie? And he said, so maybe what I need to do is just start interviewing them. I'm going to, I'm going to get a hold of the veterans association, find out who these people are in my community and start interviewing them. Okay. You know, that's such a beautiful story. I I, mean, that's amazing. I totally inspired. And, and so to me, and we get hung up on certain things, like why aren't you reading more? But the message is getting across in some way. And we, and it, and you have something to talk about whether, you know, as you do story camp disco or whatever it is, it's just finding those seeds um, to dig into deeper because of the book we've read or the thing we've seen or the, or something we're concerned about or anyway. And, and seeing, yeah, seeing beyond yourself and seeing, you know, what can your work activate? What can the work mm, that you do, what that. can it actually do? Mm-hmm. And what happens, you know, even if it's sort of, you know, I say even if, but, you know, even a card, right, can change someone's mm. day, so their week, their life. You know, I remember certain cards that I get from someone special who took a minute for, in my mother's case, you know, probably a few hours in the card aisle at Walgreens yeah. or at the yeah. local stationery store, what she yeah. used to call it, Aww. and picked out a card. And, you know, that was really special. I mean, she, she, she loved the art of the card, yeah. But even a card chain, you know, how does that your art activate other people in in books on the walls? I mean, there's nothing you know, to me like seeing live art and talking to people like your son wants to do. Oh, I hearing other I people's think, stories. I think that's so true. I'm so activated or just I I fall in love with art every day. I fall in love with people's little squares on Instagram or whatever it is every single day. I just, oh, I'm so glad I'm a visual. um, I delight in visual things. And there's so many people doing wonderful things that we can, we can get in front of, you know. I want to ask you a question, Margo, when you're looking at Instagram and you're looking at art, what is the kind of art that really, like when you say you feel activated and inspired, what, like, what kind of stuff do you love to see? 
when you're looking at Instagram? Uh, that's a great question. I appreciate that. You know, I love to see work that feels very unique, very unique. It, and it feels like it's, I haven't seen it before, or it may be, it's an illustration with even using Procreate or whatever, but it, it's that person's version, you know, that lettering, like your lettering is just yours. You know, I, in the courses that I do teach online, I am drawn to the people that aren't necessarily following the rules. If there yeah. are any, you know, the, the things right. that it's, you just can't help but do it your way. That's the kind of art that I am drawn to. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. I totally, it completely makes sense. Oh, yeah. I, today yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna have to look it up, but I saw on Instagram today, um, I hadn't seen it before. Maybe Instagram showed it to me or it came some other way, but it was a dress and it was quilted, but it was all very fine white or off white colored, um, fabric. And it was kind of see-through and it was hanging in the light. Oh my gosh. It was amazing. Let me see if I can find the, um, oh yes. Okay. Roberts dot wood. I'm going to see if I can hold my, can you see that? I'm I'm showing Deborah and the sun comes through it. And, and part of the pieces look like they're standing off of it, but those are just things like, okay, so that's a quilt and maybe a pattern that we have all seen for a hundred plus years, but somebody took it and reinterpret it, re- just reinterpreted it. And I, I, yeah, it's I'm ethereal and that. beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. So, I know. So I, I, you know, just something that sort of makes me feel something. I, I feel like that's where I stop on Instagram. I, yeah. You know, something, something that makes me think and feel something. It's like, Oh, this person's really committed to this project or, yeah. you know, yeah, I, I shy away from the Instagram formulas a little bit where I know oh, someone's yeah. like, oh, they, they read this book and that, like, this is how you do it. And, or they read, not this book, you know, whatever it is, they, you know, this is how you do Instagram successfully. It's like, I don't really know how to do Instagram anymore successfully because the algorithm is constantly shifting and changing. And yeah, but in any case, I just want to have a good time with it. And the people who, you know, will still remember, it's like, oh, you know, I haven't, because that's how I have to do it now. I was like, well, I haven't seen this person's work for a while. Or I haven't actually, Margo's mm-hmm. not in my feed for some reason because it right. fell out of the algorithm or I did something. I, I didn't w- go on to it for a week or something like that. Cause I was actually living in the, you know, trying to make artwork and not yeah. look at my Instagram all the time. But um, yeah, you know, I, I, I just love something that's a really good story. There, there's some, I can't remember what it, what it's called now that their, their Instagram, I, I think I want to say it's tiny and snail, but I might be wrong, but they're doing these embroideries of quotes from different journalists and politicians. And there's like these embroidered quotes. Mm-hmm, do you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. I'll, I'll try a, to find it. I, there's a couple. Um, my sister's saying it right now out loud. I can hear, but, but I can't remember <laughs> it because whatever, but there are a few like that, that are just so poignant and so spot yeah. on. And I love it so much. And, and that, that conflict between, sort of that old, lovely, ladylike work and a just nail it quote and on a handkerchief or, yeah, just, oh, right. so good, so right. good. Speaking of yeah. stories and writing, I think your writing is amazing. Your writing just oh. takes, 
you're, you go to some other place. I, you write, and as a reader, I'm, I'm transported. It's beautiful. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, if you go on Deborah's website, you, you, there's, there's a story that you wrote about your mom or a piece you wrote about your mom. And I, I found myself there and I read it and I'll put the link that'll all be on the, on the show notes, but it is the most beautiful piece because it's so touching. And, um, you lost your mom during COVID and that's, that just doesn't even begin to encapsulate what an amazing person she was and the life she had, but it was a very, it was a, it was a, not what anybody would want to have to go through. And I just thought your gift of writing about it, well, it made me cry. <laughs> oh, thank it was you, just, thank I just you. felt so lucky to be able to read that and, and learn a little bit more about you and her and what a amazing life she had. And, and that her parents had the foresight to say, we need to get our kids out of Germany and just gosh, yeah. you know, it's just a reminder that I like to remember that you have to walk a mile in somebody else's moccasins and just, I love yeah. the storytelling. And, and I, so I just really appreciate that, that you did that. Thank you, Marga. Thank you. That's so, that's just very lovely to hear. Um, I think that, uh, well, my mom was a German Jewish refugee and she came um, just two years before things got really, really bad for, for the Jews in Germany. And um, it's a longer story. And I'm actually trying to slowly write pieces about my family's experience. Um, But it it really wasn't until I lost her that I really was able to dig down because she didn't really want to talk about any of those things. Um, And she had a really hard childhood um, she had a lovely childhood for a little while, and then it was hard. You know, she didn't know whether she was going to see her parents again and all those kinds of things. And um, but but they did get out, but they lost a, big, a lot of family. And so the experience, you know, that we're seeing now also in Ukraine. Well, you know, we we've seen it in Syria. We've seen it in all kinds of countries in Palestine and all different kinds of countries. Um, um, right now, if you have friends who are Ukrainian, like my friend Sophia Moore, um, you know, her hometown was just bombed and um, Mm. she can't, she can no longer visit even her grandmother's grave, you know, her Uh mother's grave. And so, I mean, these stories are really, really important. I feel like to retell in terms of my story during the pandemic and the story about my mom, you know, she had just gone into assisted living and she lived a really good long life. um, But at 95, you know, she, she should have been around her family for the last uh, year of that. Well, and didn't lockdown occur on her 95th birthday? On her, on her 95th birthday. Yeah. And, you know, at that time, nobody knew anything. And so I, I think when I wrote that piece, I was trying to really go back and um, remember what that felt like when we knew nothing about what was going to about to happen. And then, yeah, that just being her for her being in isolation was just like being in, solitary confinement and she started to lose her mind a little bit and then she it was you know it's 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 sort of in a roundabout way in the piece but I sort of tried to weave together um my feelings of not being able to protect her but also see her and be with her and family was everything to her everything and so not being able to we, we were able to zoom but after a while or FaceTime, I think, but after a while, she couldn't really even pay attention to the camera and she started mm. falling asleep. Anyway, I don't want to, I don't want to bring it on down, but you know, she had a um, interesting life and, and, um, but you know, hard things. And so I think I just was trying to bring that up. 
um, and it's been a hard couple of years and, and the, the past few years have allowed me to sort of write more um, and I think teach classes about hard things. I think sometimes in my classes, you, you know, people go to more difficult places and in writing, you go to more difficult places. I feel like, I feel like art and um, writing, you know, you're speaking two different languages where as in art, you can sort of obscure certain feelings, but they come up to the surface. I, I always try to allow that in my work, but it does seem like a place where another, something else is happening. But in my writing, I can actually start to explore things that I might not do otherwise. And so I've been really trying to put the two together and I'm trying to sort of piece together some kind of um, picture book of sorts for adults of whatever these kinds of writings I'm doing are. I don't know if it's prose or, or, you know, I'm lucky enough to know these really great writers in my life. So I have these people looking at my work that can tell me what's going on. And mm -hmm. that piece that I wrote, um, my friend, Michael Judge, who has a substack called The First Person, he was an editor of the Wall Street Journal oh, and wow. he quit. Um, I don't know if I can say, but he quit, you know, when Trump was elected because <laughs> he didn't like the way the Wall Street Journal was going. Yeah. And he became a freelance journalist and he's, he's just worked with these amazing people and poets. And he studied poetry at the University of Iowa. We've been friends since we were oh, wow. 19 years old. Like you met some great he, people there. <laughs> Yeah, I have some really good friends. I mean, he's just like my goofy friend. But then I realized when I started to write again, I said, Michael, can I uh, send you some stuff? And he said, and and I said, he said, sure. And, and then when we got together in Iowa City, he lives in Iowa City now with his wife, Masai, and his son, Max. And we were sitting around and, and I said, can I read something to you? Because I kind of want to see what you think of it. And he said, sure. And he was such an amazing listener. Mm. And it was incredible. And then I read that piece to him and he started to cry. He said, I want to publish that. Don't mess it up by trying to fiddle with it. Just give it to me. Send me the PDF. Aww. I want to publish it. And I, was like, and I was like, what? What? What are you talking about? But now it's really nice because we, he, well, he published it and it was really nice for me to sort of feel like, oh, maybe I can write, you know, maybe I can yeah. do this too. So now it's sort of helped me send me in a different direction. So, and I'm taking these classes with this writer I really love named Sabrina Ora Mark and her, mm. her workshops are really amazing. Her, you know, her feedback is just so valuable to me and the people in the classes, the workshops that I take. Um, also just amazing writers that I, I just feel so lucky and honored to be able to work with people that I can, we can get together and sort of, share parts of ourselves or our writing. And so, you know, being around these people, I was like, are you published anywhere? And even if no one is, it's like being around these amazing writers and artists, it's enough. Sometimes it feels like enough for me to just be able to read it to certain people. So having a wider scope is now maybe the next thing, maybe being seen or maybe sharing it makes me feel like maybe I can move, someone else might be moved by this to tell their story. And, you know, sort of, I think it's in the stories. I really do believe in the power of art and the part, power of music and, and literature. I, I just believe in um, stories to sort of help to save us, to help us find how, find out how we can be more common with each other, yeah. how we can, yeah. who we are together. So we can be unique in, in what we make, but we are also, also, you know, in some ways struggling to sort of find the commonality to, I don't know, send it out in the world. So whether that's yeah. a commercial thing, you know, or whether it's not, 
it doesn't matter as long as sort of it enriches us, you know, in this one small life, I think. Oh my goodness. I love, <laughs> I, that's why I think that's why it's so easy and fun to talk to you because, and you, you know, your brother is obviously a thinker and you are just the way I love how you were saying, you know, it's about what music you like, what books are you reading? What are you thinking about? The story to me as well is, and I, I feel like I don't always, the, the, I like seeing people's work that's telling the story. And sometimes I feel like, Hey, I haven't gone and done that for a while. I'm showing other people's stories or whatever, but that, I just think it's a really good thing to remember that the thing that interests us about other people are, it's either their story or the story they're telling or, Mm -hmm. or a tale they're telling or a place they've been. And, and so in a way it's encouraging. I think you totally do this with story camp disco, but if we can, if you're listening and you're encouraged to just tell a little bit of your story somehow, whether it's taking a, posting a picture of something you saw that interested you, interested you that you think, oh, nobody's going to care. Actually, they do. Actually, we care. We really care. We want to know. We really do. Yeah. I just wanted to say that, you know, one of uh, my, one of, one of the mentors, I feel like that got me back into making art and get me back into sort of say, you know, quitting what I was doing with jewelry design and just moving fully into being, I guess, the artist that I wanted to be, which I didn't quite know at the time how badly I, that's what I wanted to do, um, is James Victoria. And um, I, he had taught a class for the, muse- for the Museum of Arts and Design when I was a museum educator. Um, and he was working with the High School of Arts and Design and he was telling, you know, a bunch of high school um, students, you know, it's not, it's not, how well you draw or how perfectly you do something. It's, it's what you have to say, you know, it's what, what is your opinion? You know, what, what, mm-hmm. do, what do you want to say? But one of the things that really struck me, he said this thing, which was a quote from, Oh my goodness, I'm going to, I might get this wrong. I don't know if it, it was Hafiz or Rumi, but mm. you know, and, uh, one of the ancient poets said, um, or might've been James Joyce lifted it. It might've just been James Joyce. I don't know, James, if you're listening, I hope you are, but, uh, um, <laughs> but he, he always says, to his students, in the particular lies the universal. And Mm so I kind of took that and I just sort of kept ruminating on what does that mean for me? And I don't know yet. I don't know what my particulars are because I haven't really worked them out. And I do feel like artists need to, and it's not necessarily something people always do in art school unless you have really good teachers. But it's one of the things that I try to encourage, which is to know yourself, you know, and to know yourself, you can know yourself by starting to gather, look at your world, look at the things you love and really look at them and start to like, think about them and write, you know, we do a lot of writing in my workshops too. Um, And, you know, doing goofy things. And yeah, I, I do feel like the things that you love and the things that you want around you and the people you want around you really do make you who you are. Um, and James, the other thing he, he loves to say is um, what made you weird as a kid makes you great as an adult. And he sells these like great, I have actually a print of his, these beautiful um, prints of his handwriting, mm. um, uh, of his handwriting work. 
um, that says that when what made you weird as a kid made you great as an adult. And, he, and it's on um, newsprint and he crumples it up and puts it in oh, a wow. um, priority mailbox and you get it and you, know, you uncrumble it and then frame it. And it's just so cool oh. because he really is all about, like, it's not about perfection. It's just about who are you? Realness. But I, I, I kind of took it a little, a little further with my classes just to say, you know, yes, what made you weird, but really honoring that child, you know, really honoring and um, as one of my favorite poets, Ocean Vuong said, I'm quoting lots of people now, but Ocean Vuong said in a lecture that I listened to on YouTube, I'm obsessed with Ocean Vuong, um, who wrote um, On Earth, We Are Briefly Gorgeous, and a new one, Time is a Mother. Mm. And he said, how do you invite that little person back into your life now, who, that little person who you were, who had that first inkling of what you loved to do, that first inkling that said, Oh, you really like to teach or, you know, you have, you're surrounded by your stuffed animals and you're, and you're the teacher or you're, you know, you just love to draw or you love to be goofy and whatever the world might have done that kind of tried to squash that a little bit or in Western culture where we think like put away childish things. I don't think that's what Dylan Thomas meant when he said that, it, <laughs> it, you know, that was an other kind of serious right. thing that was happening to him. And it is true because we often do have to put away childish things. But when we are artists, when we, when we can invite that little person back in, that's, I feel like when we start to put away our, uh, that, you know, what might be called the inner critic or the inner, that inner demon or whatever it is you want to call it. And, you know, they're all with you at first. It's, it's another thing that Ocean says, but, you know, they're all with you at first. And then as you start to work, they all go away and it's just you with your work. And that's, that's the right. flow. Like that's where you get to that place where you really are yourself. So I, I hope that I can, you know, help people get to that place just from, I don't know, whatever knowledge I've gathered, whatever years I've gathered at this point in my life, that's, that's really, you know, what I want to do. I want to put it into my artwork and, and share it with other people and hope that they share something back with me. I mean, I think that's really the goal at this point and hopefully, you know, um, yeah. I love that. That's just, that's what keeps it interesting and inspiring and makes us want to keep learning and all of it. I love that. All of it. All of it. So we're going to go on for three more hours. (laughs) (laughs) Deborah's coming back for a few (laughs) more, more, yeah, more conversations for sure. I was just sitting here imagining you coming to Vashon and teaching a retreat. I was just imagining that. I was imagining you coming to New Mexico and well, I'll come to Vashon and do a retreat. Let's do both. Let's do both. Let's figure out what we can do together. I think if I didn't live here, I would easily live in New Mexico. I have such an affinity for those horizons there and those skies. Please come. Just the history. Love it. Well, Jahan also wanted to do, maybe the three of us can do something. Mm. We had talk, she and I had kind of brief Jahan. Remember when we talked about doing that's three of us do that would be really cool. <laughs> Everyone would come for you guys, but I could come oh my and gosh. push it, put in some you know watercolor stuff too. <laughs> I think it would be remarkable. And you heard it here first. I love it so much. <laughs> I know we better you better think about whether you want to put that in or not. Oh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> So tell um, people listening how they can work with you and what your courses are. Okay. I, so I'll give you the website to put in yep. your show notes. Um, 
It's uh, Story Camp Disco. We have an Instagram. And by we, I mean me. Um, there's an Instagram. And I like to just post um, people's work that have worked with me before. Um, and I'm doing, I'm, I'm going to take a little break because I have a show coming up in Santa yes, Fe at LDBA exciting. Studio. That's August 12th. And I'm teaching classes there as well, um, a watercolor workshop. And, and you even did a set it, of watercolors, right? I did a set of watercolors for them that um, sold out. And now she she said, oh, we, we couldn't like, make them fast enough. And I was like, really? She said, yeah. I was like, that's crazy. But um, but I really like them. It's just a palette that I really love that I had put together for a class that I had done for her in the spring. For Sarah Moffat is her name, um, who runs LDBA. Um, and we had all these mutual friends in Brooklyn, which is really cool. And oh. I'm really glad that she lives here now. It's a, just a beautiful space. She makes handmade watercolors and she has a space for show, a show and she sells these beautiful clothes and all this just artist wear and artist books and art supplies. And it's just a really welcome um, new thing on Canyon Road in Santa Fe. Um, but, but so yeah, so there's that. Um, but with Story Camp Disco, um, yeah, the Instagram and the profile, it links to um, the Story Camp Disco website where you can buy classes. Um, I do one-to-ones with artists who just want to talk about maybe some of these things that we've talked about, you and I, you know, for themselves. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing an artist, uh, my sixth, no, seventh artist residency in the fall um, for three weeks. Um, that will be, I think that's in October, November. It's on the website. And, and what I'm does that another... look like? Oh, man. Okay, that's three weeks with six Zoom workshops within those three weeks. So it's sort of like this experience of traveling through those three weeks together. Mm-hmm. And we do these fun projects, um, three weeks of prompts and book lists and song lists. And, you know, I, I sometimes I'll, I'll have a recipe. And then depending on whether I'm in New York City or here in New Mexico, at the very end, I give a little... Um, list of things that we would do if we really were together, you know, taking a walk and talking to my 92 year old neighbors about what it's like to be in this very old, you know, town in New Mexico, um, some old stories, um, you know, what films we would watch together, what, you you know, these kinds of things. And so I kind of try to make it um, an experience uh, and a fun experience. And there's like all kinds of writing prompts and art prompts and, it's fun. Um, you can see Sharon Oldmeyer has taken, I think, almost every one of them. And she's sort of a um, veteran now. And a couple, Anna Love Petri that. also has taken all of nice. them. And they're just my, some of my favorite artists. So, and most of them have become friends. So they can do that. And I'm also going to try to do another retreat next year, live retreat, and maybe more. I don't know. But we, I did my first one at the Highlights Foundation um, in May. Um, with eight artists and it was so incredible to be together and oh be with people in the third dimension yeah um oh. which was so cool I kept looking at people's faces saying could you turn sideways for a second I can't believe you're a whole person <laughs> um but it was so cool and we had such an amazing time and we're all still friends and we yeah. made this little group and they did a personal project group just together where I just led led people through a project that they really wanted to work on whether it's making better work for their portfolios, whether it's a book project, whether it's a project they don't even know exists yet. They just mm-hmm. want to see what it is that they want to get better at. And it's just eight people in the group. Um, and we just talk and give feedback to each other, like real feedback. 
Fantastic. you know, like real mature artist yeah. feedback, you know, Which was that often like, yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's what people need. I, I've just tried to look at my classes. I try to look every season and say, what, how could this be better? What does this need? What is, what, um, what could, what does it seem like people want? And so I'm learning too. I love that. That's another thing we spent some time on, on Friday was the word feedback and how um, it's hard to get feedback, real feedback and how important that is to both of us. And I, I think that's such a a cool thing to, to stand for. It is. I like, I like people to know that, you know, even the people teaching them are not perfect people and have the same questions and, you know, have the same vulnerabilities and this is how I might've gotten through it. And, just to, you know, in all transparency, still go through it. And so I like to come from that place because I feel like it, um, it puts us all on sort of equal footing, you know, um, that the wizard behind, what is it? The man behind the, the, yeah, the, the wizard man behind be- the curtain. The man really behind the curtain. Man. Pay no attention right, to so, the man behind the curtain. Right, right, exactly. And then you come out like, oh, hello. <laughs> bumbling little. No, but. <laughs> Perfect metaphor. But, Exactly, exactly. Mm. So, so that's what they, how they can find me, Story Camp Disco, or follow Deborah Stein, and that links to Story Camp Disco, which links to my websites. And it'll all be in the show notes over on Tantas Studio. And I just love talking to you now. I know you've given us all sorts of great names, but I, I wouldn't feel good leaving without asking you who's inspiring you. Oh my goodness. Well, I think I already said Ocean Vuong. I'm just in mm-hmm. a rabbit hole. I love his work so much. Sabrina Oramark, who um, is just such a talented writer. She did a column for the Paris Review. She's, I would call, say, uh, she's a surrealist and I just mm-hmm. love her work. I feel like in like sort of grave times like we live in now, surrealism makes this comeback and I just sort of really um am interested in in that kind of work and the work that she does is just fabulous and she's just an incredible um writing teacher um and um those two people and um oh my goodness did I tell you someone else is anyone you did wait I had it I had it <laughs> I'm inspired up. by you, you said Ocean Wong. oh you said Victoria Chang and Edward Carey Oh yeah. Oh, Edward Carey. I, I, he, he was doing a drawing a day during the pandemic and then he took those drawings and sort of wrote essays to them and just came out with a book. He wrote one of my favorite books called The Swallowed Man, um, mm. which Sabrina actually had recommended during one of the workshops and I just fell in love with it. And it's the Pinocchio story through the um, lens of Geppetto, the toy maker, the artist. Yeah. Oh. And it was about being, and he writes it from the belly of the beast. And oh so there's my. this idea in his work that the artist works alone in a way, you know, and you, these creations, once you've created them, they're just like out there in the world. Oh, yeah. So I love his work and I love oh. his last book, which I think is called, you know, Drawings from the Plague, like, you know, 100. Yeah. Uh, oh, anyway, can't wait to pick those really cool. up. And Victoria Chang writes, um, she's incredible. She, I think, chooses the poetry for weekly for the New York Times. And she is an amazing poet, writer. She wrote, writes mostly about um, the death of her mother. And I think it really was a salve for me, the way she writes. She wrote an incredible book called um, Obit and Dear Memory, uh, which was a lot about the creative process and especially the creative process during times of grief. 
And I think because the, some of the things that I had gone through in my time of, you know, heavy duty mourning um, and confusion and not knowing what to do with that grief and feeling like I had this feeling during that time, which was when, you know, how long do I get? How long do I get to feel this way? Because it felt like sort of in the public space, which is where we all sort of live now. Right. Um, I'm every, I have to move on. Everyone has to move on. There's an expectation. Isn't there an expectation? Yeah. Like go cheer up or maybe you should just do this or get (laughs) over it. And what I love about Victoria Chang is, you know, that she still writes into that space. She's and, and they're really important works. Um, And I feel like, you know, I, between, I just sometimes feel like there wasn't enough books about death and dying and now it turns out there are tons and tons of them. Um, you just have to look for them. But I was interested in those. And or be ready really... to, or know what you're, know what it is that you're wanting to read. I, I think that's such an interesting thing too, because it, once yeah. it, once it's there or a particular person is gone, it's always there. You just have to wear right. it differently depending on the situation right. you're in, you know? Yeah. And- Right. And, and you, you, it's exact, that's a perfect way to say it, I think, you know, cause it's a, it are, they're definitely new clothes, you know? Yeah. And before that I had only, I read the year of magical thinking by Joan Didion after my father died. And um, I gave it to a couple of friends and they were probably like, why are you giving me this really like sad book about dying? You know, I want to think about happy things now that my my, you know, my loved one has died. And I was kind of like, oh, I don't, I just want to know what this is all about. Like, this is yeah. just the, the heaviest thing that, and, you know, and the thing is, and I, again, you know, it's like every, in, in everyone's life, we all will go through our sorrows. Everyone has them. And I really am sort of interested in, in that, not as a depressing thing, but as a thing that is sort of like the real part of life that we can attend to that we, so that we, no one will have to ask for me, how long do I get? So I won't be that artist. You know, I won't be that person. I will, I, you know, that's what inspires me about Victoria Chang. She becomes that artist for someone like me who needs to know, needs more, wants to hear Mm. and read and see how other people are thinking about their mourning and in, in, in using it and, you know, not using it, but um, making art and, and, and beautiful, beautiful things from it. I mean, that's what the blues were, you know, the blues were just sort of putting this sorrow into the space and it wasn't happy stuff. It was, but it was amazing because it got into you. Like yeah. Music can do. Deep, so deep, soulful. Yeah. Deep, oh, I, I appreciate yeah. there's, I've definitely, um, learned about some things I want to pick up some books I want to read and some people I want to check out more. So awesome. thank you, which includes more Deborah. Mm-hmm. More Deborah. <laughs> no, I gotta make this happen now. But, you know. But, yeah. Uh, well, Looking thank at you. It, it's so strange, right? It's only 2022. I keep thinking it's like this has been forever since I've been wanting this. Like, two years, Deb. Come on. We can do this. <laughs> we can. There's lots to fall we back can. on. Good memories, good stories, or you know, interesting stories, no matter what. For real. For real. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be here twice once that we have to hold and once that we shared with others. So thank you. It is so great. Thank you so much, Margo. This has really been an honor and I love getting to know you also. It's just been really nice. Thank, thank you. you. The dogs are agreeing. 
I know. I can't believe my dog's not barking in response. (laughs) Thanks, Deborah. Before you go, I just want to say a quick thanks for tuning in. I hope you found something useful to take away and something to make you think. For those of you listening in on Spotify, and I know there are many, you now have the cool option to show your love for Windowsill Chats quickly and easily. From the show page in the Spotify app, you can simply tap to rate it one to five stars. And of course, I'll really appreciate it too if you leave a review wherever you might be listening. See you next week, lovelies, and I hope it's a creative one.